Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 828 of the Juicebox podcast. Oh, that was smooth. Every now and then you meet someone who you just vibe with. Stephen is one of those people for me, especially around diabetes. I like the way Stephen interacts with others online about type 1. I like the way he thinks about it. I like the way he talks about it. There's nothing that Stephen does specific to diabetes that I've ever thought, no, that's weird. I just, I dig him. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Stephen's had diabetes for quite some time, and we're going to talk about a lot of different things. While we're talking about those things, if you would remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you can remember that, I would really appreciate it. I would also appreciate it if you would take yourself to t1dexchange.org forward slash Juicebox, join the registry, fill out the survey, spend 10 minutes helping type 1 research move forward. You can do that from your home at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box, forward slash juice box. What happened to my voice there? That wasn't smooth. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. The podcast is also sponsored today by the Omnipod 5 and the Omnipod Dash. You want an insulin pump, but you don't want to be attached to tubing? Then you want the Omnipod because you can wear it while you're swimming, bathing, sleeping, running, and it's not attached to anything. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. My name is Steve uh, and I have been a diabetic for 52 years today. Oh, no kidding. Today is actually, is at least as best I can identify it, is my diversity. So um, that was kind of a funny thing. So you got, um, it's my anniversary, my 25th wedding anniversary. It's my diversity. And here I am on uh, juice box. Oh, that's insane. <laughs> How old are you? So, huh? How old are you? I, I got it when I was 17. So I'm going to be 69 this year. This year no coming up. Well, first of all, you don't look 69. Congratulations. Um, the camera adds weight, so it looks better. <laughs> it's filling in your wrinkles, Steve. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. I, I was, really got uh, that comment a few times this weekend. I didn't know you were so skinny. And so. We went to, um, oh gosh, where were we? Uh, Arden and her friends are getting ready to go to college. So they all went out to get food last night. And Arden's like, you should come because these are girls that grew up in my house, you know? So Kelly was working. So I went with them. We're sitting outside uh, at this restaurant eating. And we get done, and kind of the employees came out to eat at the end of the night. We were talking to them a little bit, and we got up, and we said, no, you know, have a good night. Thanks so much. And the one guy goes, don't drink and drive. I think he was trying to be funny. And I said, oh, I haven't had, like, the equivalent of a six-pack of beer in 30 years. And he goes, 30 years? And at first, I thought his astonishment came from that I don't drink. But he goes, how old are you? He's like, you've been drinking 30 years. And I said, no, I said, I'm, I just turned 51. And he was like, he just was taken back. And I was like, now this is oh. a guy. He's not yeah. trying to be polite to me. Right. I was like, he really feels this way. I felt great for a half hour after that. I was like, I don't even look 50. What do you think of that? <laughs> so my dad, my dad had a stroke in 
Let's see. First rope was in Thanksgiving of last year. So we rehabbed him through that. And it's been a wonderful year. It's my dad had a stroke in Thanksgiving. He started to recover. Um, my brother helped where he lives is like three hours away from my, mm-hmm. me. And so we were kind of changing one week off, one week on. So I'm kind of, you know, kind of, I got to talk to you afterwards about making the transition because I'm trying to get him to make a transition because yeah. he had a second stroke and it was much less than the first one. But every time I go to the hospital with him, with any of this, it's like people walk in and go, you're 96. And, you know, and same thing. It's like, you can't be 96. He's up and walking and strong and everything. But I have to make that transition of getting him into a facility and he's not quite bought into it yet. Right. Well, I would imagine by 96 years old, you probably just thought he's going to outlive me. Like what the heck? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was supposed to outlive every or not outlive anyone in the family because I was supposed to be the old dead by 50 thing. Yeah. Um, And that was because I was diagnosed in 70, 70. So at that time it was like, you know, don't get a job that asks for any physical demand from your body after the age of 40 or so. And that, is you know that was the, the way things were then did that actually drive your decisions like about what you wanted to do it did multiple times and yeah it did definitely did that and insurance we were talking about that that's this weekend too is how many of us from you know the the 30 30 year on or 40 year on and how many of us made really definitive decisions about and even people within the last 10 or 15 years definitive decisions about can, what kind of insurance do I get with this job and what kind of insurance do I get with that job and making a decision solely on that. Yeah. And, um, and that, I mean, that's the reality of it too, but, but it, it, it was a time. The only thing, good thing that happened to me when I was diagnosed was I got out of Vietnam because I was 40 on the, the lottery list. And I took the big form and wrote, you know, four F on it and mailed it in and signed my name. And that's all I did. And I never heard from him again. Wow. You were, but, you were, um, lo- it was a low number. You would have gone. Yeah, I would have at least had to sign up for something. You right. Know? So, wow. Um, yeah, it was that was right on the edge of when it was tailing off. But yeah, right. How about that? Okay, so you're diagnosed. I just realized you were diagnosed a year before I was born. So, um, <laughs> so you're diagnosed. It's very simple, right? Are you using even animal? You're just using animal insulin. Is it beef? And well, pork? I, we were talking this weekend about the diagnosis. Okay, my diagnosis was was going to an internist go to the hospital, do a four hour blood glucose, um, tolerance test. Mm -hmm. And that was where you chug, you know, you chug about 12 ounces of pure glucose and then they measure, you know, where the blood sugar is going. When I got in, I was eight over 800 and they called the doctor and said, do we want to do this test? He said, sure. So by the time the two or three hours was gone, they couldn't even get a vein. I mean, it was just, I was, you know, yeah. (laughs) And I got sent home. And over to the doctor's office to pick up the book that says you're on your own and here's how you do insulin and here's an orange see ya and <laughs> here's an two orange later, two weeks later i had gained 30 pounds so just i watched every insulin. morning seeing this get bigger and bigger and bigger on my face yeah it was just astounding so i bought into insulin early on that right. it really did make a difference so you're and, saying uh, you're saying that even i was gonna say even back then but that seems backwards but but in that time the idea of there's no direction. We're not going to teach you anything you're on your own. I mean, do you remember anything being told you like numbers or amounts or? No, I mean, there really wasn't any A1C wasn't even around at that time. So that, that didn't happen until, you know, the latter 70s. So um, they, there was no other than your blood sugar. When you do a fasting, 
that was it. Okay. So fasting blood sugar was the only thing they talked to you about. And then of course you had the clinic test, you know, and the, and the, the chem strips and all that peon stuff. And um, so it was how, I don't know. I mean, I never, I, I look back and I probably ne- have never had an A1C over, I would guess 6.8 in all those years. And then in the last, probably the last third, probably I would say the last 40 years, never had an A1C over six, three, maybe. Yeah. And then the last several years, it's been, you know, in the five, five, three, five, four, but given how accurate A1Cs are, who knows what was going on? You know, I mean, highs right. and lows, I would probably, a, you know, variation of probably 50, 60, 70, 80, even a hundred in that stuff and still had A1Cs. Tell me how old again you were in 1970. I was 17. So it was between my junior and senior year. Lovely time when you make all those decisions about what you're going to do and where you're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> and and what was the day like with diabetes at, at 17 for you? It, it was, I would say that it was fairly hidden, but I had some close friends around at the time and that was good. I had friends from that were seniors a year before graduated. And so they were very supportive and not really, com- I mean, at that time I didn't really comprehend what was going on, but they were really supportive. And, and, and I, you know, thank goodness for them. But when that little group of friends disappeared, you know, suicide was an option. I mean, it was just, you just didn't know. You didn't know where you were going to go. You didn't know where you came from. <laughs> you didn't know what you were doing or where you were going to go. So it was just, you know, head forward and keep your fingers crossed was basically it. Yeah. And, um, and then um, I didn't have an endo until probably, probably into the eighties. Really? You just did it with your general practitioner? It was an internist. So he was a specialist, but, it, but, you know, uh, he was not an, an endo, but he was really helpful. He was really frank and straightforward, which is not the case in most cases, right. really striking for it. So if things are going good. He told, said, Hey, things are going good. Keep it up. Don't know what you're doing, but just keep it up. And that was basically <laughs> the approach. Hey, against all odds, Steve, this is working. So uh, yeah. don't move because yeah. we don't know what you're doing. Did you find yourself yeah. depressed at that time? I, you know, it, really funny. We were kind of, you kind of reading up on it and, you know, got anal on reading and trying to find stuff, but reading up on it, it looked like the first year was going to, something was going to happen. And so nothing happened the first year because I had friends around and everything. And by that second year, you know, it was 120 and that's a nice wall kind of a few times. And so, um, and, and I realized that, you know, at that time, fortunately that other people would be suffering if I did anything. So don't, don't do it. Just go through it, get through it. And I, you know, went on to spend a lot of years in junior college trying to figure things out, but physically um, it was a miss. I really have to say it was a mystery on how I got to where I was. I remember one situation and I think about it now and it just, it just blows my mind. I used to get, you know, in that mood where I'd say, I'm going to go running and I would run the railroad tracks at night. And this was an active railroad track. And I, and I was like, I had no idea what my blood sugars were. It was just, if I felt low, I may have stop and do something, but I just, how I got down the railroad track, you know, and then back home, uh, you know, in midnight or I don't know. Right. It's, but I think at that time, at least you could feel stuff and I could feel stuff. So I noticed when things were not working out. Okay. You felt low. You kind of, you felt. It. Yeah. And the yeah. same thing with high too. <laughs> so I want to pick through this for just another second. So it, after this happens, you're okay immediately. You have friends around. Friends go off to college because they have plans. You're not sure what to do because now you've graduated. You're, it's a year yeah. later. You have diabetes. No one's telling you what diabetes even is. You're feeling your way through it. 
and it feels hopeless or I wouldn't say it feels hopeless because I being ADHD and, and not knowing it at the time and driven, I just got into, you know, the focus thing. I would focus on this and I would focus on that and focus on this. And so in, I had a nice diversion in junior college because there were a lot of things that I tried. And so that kept me going too, is that, you know, I'll try this career or I'll go this way. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that, like you asked before, a lot of the decisions on whether I wanted to go there or not was, can I make money and can I get insurance? And um, because I photojournalism was a big deal, like the picture behind me, that's the kind of stuff I love doing, but it just, it wasn't going to pay the bills and I wasn't going to get insurance. So I didn't go those directions. And I I worked as a park ranger one time and I had policemen and firemen saying, you've got to be a fireman, you've got to be a policeman. It's like, well, yeah, I don't know. And, And I mean, it was a lot of those things was just drop it, forget about it and go on. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm not always the most positive person. Okay. <laughs> My wife would laugh if I said that, but, um, but, you know, I just kind of tried charge through and then, and, but I think reading and knowledge helped a lot. It's just, I would just, I mean, I probably got Bernstein's book, you know, a couple months after it was out and I went into the doctor's office and said, I want to go on multiple injections and here's a new window. And he says, and who's a diabetic? And he says, why would you want to do that? Mm. And, um, and that was the perception at the time. So I was always pushing on that. And, you know, that, that idea of going on multiple injections and why, and the whole logic. So I just, anything I go to the, literally go to the bookstore and pull out the diabetes books and then see what one was the latest and newest. And then, and that's, I just started that and I kept doing it. So management back then, cause that's interesting. The doctor said, why would you want to do that? Is yeah. So you're you're diagnosed. It, it's a given. You're going to die before the natural end of of a life. Yeah, we're going to give you these injections in the morning and in the evening, and hope that we can make that time last as long as possible with as few yeah. problems as possible. But yeah, we're it was a give up on day one from the medical community back then. It, pretty much on being proactive about anything. Yes. Yeah. And, and it was more of a re, a response. If there's an issue, you know, you're going to have problems with your legs. You're going to have problems with your vision. You're going to have, you know, I mean, it's just like you said, it was just a given that that was going to be a part of the future. Mm-hmm. And then, and we have a couple of groups I belong to. We have people in 40 plus years and one even in the 60 years. And, um, you know, it's like Vaughn. I mean, he, he's been around since, you know, the boiling and the sharpening of, of needles, but we all really had the same perspective at that time was, it's a roll of the dice. And if you're lucky enough, things will work out. And and then do you think that you're still here and healthy the way you are because you adapted or because you were the one that the dice landed on? I think there's a combination of f- physiology and, and, um, and the fact that I was so anal about trying to figure out what was going on mm-hmm. and, and learn what was going on. Um, I mean, it, the multiple injections was, let's see, 82 or something like that. I walked in, I go, NPH is just terrible for a diabetic. I don't want to use this stuff. Given that ultra lente was, would work far better and more like a real person. Yeah. And he just, the doctor just didn't get it. It just didn't register to him that that was, you know, like you said, they gave it to you and you're supposed to do it and keep your fingers crossed. Odds are you'll be fine. And I saw no, somebody, I, I saw somebody call NPH not particularly helpful the other day. And I don't know how I avoided knowing that that acronym existed in the diabetes world for so long, but yeah, that was, funny. I call it the, the yeah, the, the, 
Yeah, I'll use a different term for it, but but hell would be the last DH and uh, and it, the insulin from hell. I mean, it's just well, tough. It, it's what they. I mean, it's what they had at the moment, but it's still being yeah. like I I hear it talked about because somebody was just it was just given to somebody recently. Mm-hmm. It's really common yeah. in parts of Canada for them to put kids on MPH because they don't have nurses at school and they mm-hmm. don't want to have to give the kids insulin during the day at school. Is the, is yeah, the they want to be able to predict activity for the insulin for the whole day and not just one snippet at a time. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah. But that's it's fascinating that something you you would not consider using that you were given in 1970 is was handed yeah. was handed to yeah. somebody yesterday. You know. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so we got through the. I'm trying to go through what you you already said so much. Uh, I just heard you say you were married. So how long have you been married? Well, 25 years. Well, here's a funny story on that one is I, I proposed to my first wife by getting a night's outfit and getting a horse from the winery that I worked for because they did brand cattle. And, and so I did the whole thing. And I, but I, in the process, I went up to my park ranger friends and said, and it happened to be that my current wife was available to run the video camera to video it. So she videoed my proposal to my first wife and now we've been married for 25 years and okay so she knew me almost 12 13 years before that so we've known each other quite some time <laughs> did the did the first woman say yes yeah okay so you were married to her for a stretch of time yeah short stretch of time yeah okay and then that ended and then you were like i'm gonna get the videographer from my yeah. proposal <laughs> yeah so i mean it, it it was funny because we were, we had worked together at park rangers for some time and uh, I worked part-time and she was full-time, but, but, um, yeah. And then I proposed to her and then, then Denver airport and it was at night she was flying in. So, you know, the train in the Denver airport just goes a long way down and a long way back out to the other. And so I rode the train all the way down with a big sign that says, will you marry me? And people were laughing and smiling. I got down to the, to the gate and the gate was dark and there was nobody there. <laughs> and so I had to ride the train all the way back with the big sign. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time I got to her, there were a whole lot of people around, but yeah, that's the proposal on the second one. Steve, do you, yeah. you, you wouldn't know this, um, but you're one of the people that I measure myself against somehow. Yeah. How do I want to say well, that? So that you, you know, so there are people online, obviously, that I've never met in person. There are people online that mm-hmm. I have met in person. Um, Jenny's a good example. Like, I measure myself against what Jenny thinks of me uh, mm-hmm. in, in regards to how I'm doing helping people with diabetes. Because it is not, it is never lost on me that I'm an outsider um, mm-hmm. because I don't have type 1. And that that my voice got to where it is now is random luck you know, for the most part, there were plenty of people doing things 15 years ago that I don't even, I don't know where they are anymore um, around Mm -hmm. diabetes. Those people were as passionate as I was at the time. But every once in a while, I, like, I want to look up and think I'm doing well by these people. You know what I mean? Like, it's a a weird Mm -hmm. situation to be in. There was was a time that Jenny told me uh, that she thought of me as a colleague. And, and that meant a lot to me. Um, there, there have been type ones in the past who have said, um, you know, we sat and talked here for a half an hour and I forgot you didn't have diabetes. I took that as a really big compliment. Yeah. Um, but I watch you online and you are 
thoughtful and measured and informed and you come at things in a very balanced, reasonable way and that you listen to my podcast means a lot to me. <laughs> and that's an odd thing because it's the first time I've ever seen you just not There's small, a reason why, yeah. Avatar picture yeah. is really how I've known yeah. you for all this time. I appreciate that, yeah. I mean, it was, it's funny because I there there was one case a couple of weeks ago where I really got bashed for saying something, but it was something that if, if we were in the same room with somebody, I'd say it louder. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then that but again last week, you know, the lovely thing about the numbers, you know, the, the uh, calibration code versus it meaning anything at all. Right. And, you know, that whole thing that, you know, that one that goes on the web and, and everybody's just, you know, determined and I want to keep. So my thing, I try as much as possible is to get the truth up there so that people can figure things out based on truth rather than a myth. And, um, and you've seen the stuff I do on the Dexcom as I tear it apart and put it, you know, put it back together and test it and fiddle around with it. You know, why does it get stuck and tear it apart? And I find out why it gets stuck. Right. And that's just kind of the, it's kind of nice being retired to do that too. That's an advantage to being time. able to do that. So a second ago, were you talking about that there are a, there are a, a, a group of people online that believe that if you get a Dexcom G6 sensor with the number 9117 on it, that it's not going to work well? Yeah. yeah. And okay. the, from coming, I worked for Abbott at one time. So medical equipment industry. And one of the things you look at in terms of the audience that's complaining, is it repeated complaints from the same audience? They're the same people, or is it a complaint that goes globally? And that calibration number is one that comes from a small group of people and repeatedly, just like the thing of getting stuck. So you know that it's, it's a combination of, it may not be a great design, and then also the user having an issue with, you know, using the product mm-hmm. and understanding how the product works. And this weekend, we're, I don't think once with the groups that I was with this week, this weekend, did anybody say about an issue with the code? They said, oh, sure, I have problems. And it's, you know, the lifting and, and the uh, adhesion and all that stuff like that. But, uh, hey, it, it right. everything else works. It, it's interesting that, um, I mean, I'm sure there's a fancier way to say it, but people they think they know something and oftentimes what's happening is not what's happening, but we're going to both get in trouble for this. You know, I I have no trouble with this at all because every time I see it online, I think you're having a problem. It's, it's very likely user error, but I Mm -hmm. don't mean it like harshly. I don't mean user error. Like you're doing something wrong, dummy. You know, like, I mean that there's something about the, the functionality of the device specific to your yeah. physiology that yeah. you just don't, you're not, you're not understanding right now. Yeah. And who knows if, I don't know, like, I, I don't, I I, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, when somebody says, I just used, here's my favorite one about Omnipod. I just got 10 bad pods in a row. And I think, yeah. no, you didn't like that. I think that's just statistically improbable. And, yeah. and so, yeah. so they get focused on the wrong thing or when people switch from MDI to pumping and they, they don't realize how poorly their settings were on MDI, yeah. right? They were yeah. over basiled and making yep. up for it by eating to, they were eating yeah. to the insulin or something that they didn't realize, but in their regular life, it looked, it looked like it was working. Then they moved to another system where that system wasn't going to, wasn't going to work as well with that yeah. mistake and then they go, and then, then what they say is this pump doesn't work. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always just like, 
I, I get it, right? And and it, it happens most frequently to newer people, people who have been around diabetes a shorter time or just moved to their technology, yeah. where I think a lot of um a, a lot of compassion is necessary because you get this weird mix of people online, right? And there's a weird mm-hmm. mix of people that listen to this podcast. Yeah. Somebody's listening to this episode right now has had diabetes for three days and somebody's had it for 30 years. Their perspectives yeah. are different. What they understand is different. But how do you learn, hey, it's probably me, it's not the pump, or it's probably me, yeah. it's not this, if somebody won't come along and tell you? And then but once I in a while- I think sometimes the, the, need, the need for acknowledgement is greater than the, than the under than than the misunderstood need for education yeah and i mean that comes from me being a teacher too and then and you know writing training programs that's what i did for a career was and and you had to get people past that part or you did it one-on-one that was the only other way i mean a lot of these people that are having those issues if you went into a room and you talked to them one-on-one you could probably resolve that without any problem at all right and get them back on the right direction but online it's you know it's really really hard sometimes and you know i've had people write and say gee thanks for doing this or note online thanks for doing this because now it's i don't have that problem anymore it's like well that's because you step back and you said well maybe i should look at the big picture and then because here i am 52 years and i still do basal testing every month Mm -hmm. and i have changes that need to be made every month um the current thing i'm in is taking care of my dad driving three hours you know, and taking care of my dad at home now would be full time, but that's going to change the way things are at. So I'm going to have to redo basils. Yeah. Um, and it, there's so much that's based on understanding to get past the perception that you have that something's wrong. Right. And, and that's, that's sometimes overriding that something's wrong and it's not me. And it's like, well, wait a minute. And I think you alluded to this a second ago too, but the other part is that, it's just frustrating. And sometimes you just want to yell, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you just want to be like, yeah. this thing sucks. Or, you know, I, nobody says, no, I've never seen anybody stand up and go, I'm terrible at this, <laughs> you, you know, uh, but, but maybe that's how you feel. And the way it comes mm-hmm. out is I yeah. think this code doesn't work as well as the others. Meanwhile. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess in their mind, they think that, I don't know what they think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you think about well, how, manu- how manufacturing doesn't help when works. you call tech support and tech support says something like, yeah, we have a lot of people that make that complaint. Yes. And they're acknowledging that that right. the complaint's being made, but it's no real issue. And right. I think um, uh, Stacy had uh, Dex come on and I asked her, I wrote a note saying that you got, you mentioned the error, you know, the um, calibration code issue mm-hmm. and, and the understanding about that. And I, so far I haven't heard an answer, which probably means there's, it, it doesn't exist. It's not an issue. Um, but at the time and the way it was being discussed was though it, it was a credible issue. Well, that one little statement is going to go across the board right. and then everybody's going to, like you said, the easy fix is, oh, I blame it on this. the device. Yeah. And then that's and, what happens online in general, not around diabetes, but everything. If yeah. somebody says something, somebody else agrees with it. And now suddenly we have a rule and, you know, most people don't have that. I, I, I genuinely mean this. I don't think I can't recall a Dexcom sensor not lasting 10 days for Arden. 
Like I just, I've had, I, I had one this weekend when I went to here, I go to camp, right. right. And I, and in this sensor is just, I cal when I get to the site, I'm calibrating, 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 doing our lovely, you know, to pair up calibration one mm -hmm. right after the other, pushing it really hard, just won't work. It'll disappear and it lose the signal. Lose it. So I finally said, wait a minute. And something I did when I was driving. So something I did or something my body did when I was driving changed the way that sensors work. So throw it out and start a new one. But accept the fact that there, it wasn't, it wasn't probably wasn't really a bad sensor. It was something um, either on me ergonomically doing something with it or something in the environment that was there. Is it worth trying to figure out? Nah, right. just pull it out and start over again. But yeah, I think since the G6, I now maybe two or three, Yeah. but I, I probably can explain why each one of those went bad. Um, but I, you know, it's, I mean, it's like the clean the skin and, you know, and don't use anything. And I use, I've used something like skin prep for years and it's worked for me for 20, well, almost 30 years. We mm -hmm. figured it out over the weekend. Um, and it, it you got to find the one that works for you. Yeah. And, and, and if it works for you, use it. And uh, if it doesn't find something else. And I'm not saying that like Arden's situation couldn't change, right? Because if you stop and think about it, she's been in high school for the whole time G6 exists. Yeah. So she's going to leave for college in a couple of weeks. And maybe I'll say, yeah. huh, something's going on here. But it, it <laughs> doesn't mean that the device suddenly doesn't work anymore. It's variables sort of beyond your, yeah. your understanding have changed. Um, but having said that, <clears throat> these people are, are in a bad situation. Right. Like they've they've yeah. got technology. It's not it doesn't it's not working for them in the end. They kind of don't care why it's not working. Right. They they're not as invested in it or as, as steeped in it maybe as I am. They just they bought this thing and they wanted to do what it says it does. And, yeah. you know, when it doesn't do it, it doesn't work. And, and that's mm -hmm. that. It's a shame yeah. because little things like telling somebody, I hate doing it, but you're like, hey, I don't know if you're hydrated well or not is a good example. Mm -hmm. And. What what are people's understanding of what that means? Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know. So there's all these levels of information you need if you really want to break a problem down accurately. And that also exists in bolusing and understanding foods. Like I'm watching now as, you know, in real time, people are starting to use Omnipod 5. And it's fascinating because the varied number of posts online that are like, I look what I figured out. And then you read it and you think, Oh no, you didn't figure anything out, but I see why you <laughs> think that, you, you know, yeah. um, as, yeah. as a whole generation of people are trying to get used to an automated insulin delivery system. Um, whereas we were loop, you know, Arden were loop for so long before that. I know those pitfalls now, but I can also remember being in that position when she started. I was like, mm -hmm. I think this is what's happening. And it's not, you know, so it's, uh, it the, takes time. The T-Slim and, and the, you know, control IQ is, is there is so much that you have to do in the beginning and so much you have to do for the first couple of months to be able to understand and get it right. right. And it's so frustrating to see someone struggle with it for a while. Canem is notorious, and I'm going to say it all out, notorious for providing training sufficient to operate their products and install their products and everything. I mean, they're just absolutely terrible at it. And which is a shame because a product is really, really good product. Mm -hmm. But if there was something done better in prepping someone and, and taking them through it, but they have improved over the last couple of years in documentation, but they rolled out, you know, the bolus on the phone and the bolus on the phone was 
probably from a training design perspective was one of the worst things I've ever seen. And in terms of a medical product and it was, but the momentum is there with that product such that people perceive it's going to be good and I don't have to work to get it, you know, good or do anything on it to make it help, but get it going, help make it work with me, help me work with it. And all those other little things that you learn as you go along, Mm -hmm. they don't, it's not seen as a part of the process and it, and that's gets back to what we were talking about. The medical profession is, yeah. is you can't just throw something at everyone and then keep your fingers crossed and then hope they figure it out. And if it gets a little better then just write it off as an improvement, right? Yeah. Well, it's not fair to anyone to do that. I want to, I don't know. I've never articulated this, but so I might fumble through it for a second, but it always seems to me, When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with theochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. My daughter Arden began wearing the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump on February 4th, 2009. That was 5,093 days ago. Or another way to think of it, 1,697 pods ago. At that time, she was four years old. Hang out with me for a moment while I tell you more about the Omnipod. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Today, Arden is 18 and still wearing Omnipod. Back then, there was one choice, just one pod. But today, you have a decision to make. Do you want the Omnipod 5, the first and only tubeless automated insulin delivery system to integrate with the Dexcom G6? Because if you do, it's available right now for people with type 1 diabetes ages 2 years and older. The Omnipod 5 is an algorithm-based pump that features smart adjust technology. That means that the Omnipod 5 is adjusting insulin delivery based on your customized target glucose. That's helping you to protect against high and low blood sugars, both day and night, automatically. Both the Omnipod 5 and the Omnipod Dash are waterproof. You can wear them while you're playing sports, swimming, in the shower, the bathtub, anywhere really. That kind of freedom coupled with tubeless, a tubeless pump. You understand it's not connected to anything. The controller is not connected to the pod. The pod is not connected to anything. You're wearing it on the body tubelessly. No tubing to get caught on doorknobs or anywhere else that tubing with those other insulin pumps can get caught. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. That's where you go to find out more. You may be eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. You should check that out too when you get to my link. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. So if you're looking for an insulin pump that is tubeless, waterproof, and automated, you're looking for the Omnipod 5. If you want to do it on your own and you're not looking for the automation, Omnipod Dash. For full safety, risk information, and free trial terms and conditions, please also visit Omnipod.com forward slash juice box.
But it always seems to me like it doesn't matter if it's a device or if it's a medication or if it's direction from a doctor. The idea is there's X number of people who are impacted by this. And if a certain percentage of them make the leap to the next step, good enough. Yeah. You know, and whoever gets left behind, what are we supposed to do about it? And everybody's kind of gotten their, it's funny, they have their limitations. And at the same time, their limitations are sometimes an excuse. Medical device company is going to tell you, FDA will not let us give you direction about how to use our product. They, we can tell you how it works functionally. We can't tell you how to use it. And that's true. But is that, um, is that something they're secretly happy about that they don't have to be involved in? Because if I was them, I'd secretly be happy about it to some degree. You know, I'd be like, oh, I don't have to get involved in whether or not this person is hydrated or pinched yeah. up before they put their thing in. Or like, I don't I don't have to be involved in that. That's for the doctors to do. Yeah. But then the doctors don't tell you that stuff either. Yeah. And so, and they're- ex- well, and Even you know, worse yet is they may not understand it, which is another- whole piece of the picture that i mean i sat in you know in rooms with doctors and nurses and such and and i mean i probably fired more doctors than i'd actually had over the years and the reality is is it this is one complex difficult even within the last three years three years the physiology understanding of the physiology has changed tremendously Mm -hmm. and um and it's always changing so it's got you got to the knowledge you have to use to flow with it and the time it takes to do it is pretty demanding if a doctor is going to try to keep up with it. And I mean, it's going to take away from his business, but it's also going to benefit patients. But what's the, like you said, what's the trade-off? Is it, you know, this little bit goes forward and I'm, that's fine. Right. And also what happens if I spend an hour talking to somebody and they never get it, mm-hmm. then could I have spoken to three other people in that time and got and gotten them to get it a little bit, you, yeah. you, know, you start getting yeah. to that. That's a very human thing, right? Like a doctor is not a robot sitting in a room, <clears throat> excuse me, waiting for you to show up. Like they're a person, they got to go home, they got a family, they're trying to live mm-hmm. their life as well. And there's just no, I mean, I, I, I stared at this space for a while as my daughter was going through it. I watched how people who were trying to impact it would act what they were trying to do, what they thought the big problems were. And in the end, I mean, if you listen to the podcast by now and you're paying some kind of attention, like I think the problem is for people with type one, people use insulin in general is that they don't know how insulin works and they Mm -hmm. don't know when and why to use it. And that if you could teach them that they could probably grow from there as far as their interest will let them. Yeah. And I think one of the things that driver that has been a good thing about, you know, the current situation we're in with communication and being with other people um, with COVID is the online communities. And we got, I have one with JDRF Northern California and and they have online adult groups, online groups for parents with kids at this age, online groups for parents with this cage, and they just exchange ideas. And it's been interesting over that time to see some of the people in that, those groups actually grow and change and, and look at things differently as they listen to other diabetics talk about stuff. Right. And then there's like one group, there's three or four of us in there that, you know, do talk a lot. And, um, but they, it just opens their eyes seeing and listening to a bunch of other type one diabetics. And I mean, it's really hard to describe that interchange and what you get out of it. Um, 
but uh, it, like this weekend, I wanted to get in all the stuff that I'd learned that makes it better for everybody. But if someone said, you just, it's too much. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't think of it that way. You go, I want to fix this. And so everybody receives stuff differently. And the interaction with other diabetics just seems to be one of those key items that is missing that if we used it more, it would really benefit a lot of people. Yeah. And I, the area I live in, the Tuolumne area, the local health group, um, wouldn't put together or wouldn't help me put together a type one group because it just, well, not enough, enough people, but every type one I've talked in the community too has a problem. Right. And it's like, what do I do about that? Nothing. If I, if I spend any time where this is all over for me in hindsight, trying to think of what I did right and what I did wrong or what I was, you know, hoping to accomplish, I'm certain at this moment that the one thing that I've been able to do that is most beneficial for longevity is to use this specific format, like a podcast format, and to not make it boring. Mm-hmm. I think that really is the most important thing because I would look back over the years and there were <clears throat> like, look, I don't know. I defining diabetes as a series inside the podcast is really, really important. Like there are so yeah. many words you need to understand what they are, but you can't, like being honest, you can't spend your whole life figuring out what glycemic load means. Like you need somebody to just kind of like say, hey, this is it. Remember yeah. this part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, I didn't rip. It's not a direct ripoff, but it was um, Sanafi. There was this lovely woman named Laura that worked for Sanafi years ago. And she got put in charge of making a diabetes uh, online um, thing, I don't know, like a, a, you know, a presence for Sanofi mm-hmm. and it, and they put a bunch of money and effort into it for a while. And then eventually it just, I don't know, they lost interest in it, but she did this thing where she put up a, a dictionary online and it was, it was all these terms about diabetes and their definitions. And all these years later, I remember thinking that was an amazing idea. And I tried to find it online. Obviously, it's not there anymore. And I thought, see, that that was they hit on something there. That's really, yeah. really very important. But what happened to them? They put it online. Yeah. They had this great idea. They put it somewhere the best they could, and it died. Yeah. And yeah. it died because when you when you put information on print online, eventually it becomes stagnant and you lose the momentum. So what does the podcast yeah. do? It's constantly giving you new, different keeping, yeah. content, yeah. keeping you here so yeah. that you don't lose track of the fact that the Defining Diabetes episodes live inside of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Is I, it, I mean, take, for example, you know, Gary's books was, I mean, you know, Think Like a Pancreas. I mean, that, that was a pretty novel approach to doing it, and it is full of really good information. I hear so many people said, well, I guess I should read that book or I read part of it and, you know, but it's not presented in a form where people can absorb it in a way that they can use it or understand it. And yet it's just a treasure or Adam's book with a 42 things, you know, it's right. like, um, well, Adam's talked that talked about that for years and he finally put it on a piece of paper and put it up. And it's like, it is like the one thing that comes up on the web when you say, you know, what impacts blood sugars right. and, um, and it's, but those little trivial things 
and the way in which you're right, the way in which you're presenting all these little things to put them and make them part of way you think and the way you do things really, really makes a difference. And I got to give you kudos for that. Well, that's very nice of you. I was just, I was trying to, I'm trying to put out there the idea that I've just seen too many people have great ideas and then they bemoan, like it didn't work. Nobody cared, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. it's, it's delivery. Yeah. It's always your delivery. So yeah. even that is randomness for the podcast. Because I mean, when I started making this, my wife actually said to me, she's like, you know, in our personal life, I notice people either really like you or really don't like you. <laughs> and she goes, and it doesn't bother you, which is fascinating to her. Um, but but she's like, what if you just put this podcast out and nobody likes you? And I was like, well, somebody will or they won't. And then I'll stop making it. Like, you, you know what I mean? I was like, but I think I think they will. And I'm good at talking. And like, you know, I was like, and and I know how to talk about diabetes. Like, I, yeah. I understand how diabetes works. And yeah. I have a desire to put this information in front of people. Um, it is partially because, I mean, you said it earlier. I don't know if we were recording it or not, but it, it is um, it is difficult to know how to fix something, especially around someone's health or happiness, mm-hmm. to watch them struggle with it and just know that they only need to understand like five things and this wouldn't happen yeah. to them. Like, how am I supposed to live knowing I know that and somebody else doesn't know that? That's hard on me. Um, I, I, I have a related story Go that ahead, really hits what you're just talking about. And that is this weekend, I decided that I was going to wear the sweatshirt, you know, and mm-hmm. I was going to walk around with, you know, the, your stuff on just to see how many people actually listen to the podcast. And so breakfast one morning, I got the um, director of the group. And I said, can I just stand up and ask? And, you know, I wanted to know. And. I want to tell people about the podcast. Right. So I said, how many people in the room listen to Juicebox podcast? Now, this room was full of probably kind of around 100 people Two right. raised their hands and two other people and myself. And that was it. And I'm going, well, let me tell you. And then I sent with the sales pitch and I went, you know, on. And there was one person in the back of the room that just kept turning. You know that when you're in a room and this one person keeps turning their head and the smile on their face and mm-hmm. they're saying something, you know, this is a bunch of bull or whatever is going on. Well, I went back and I said, well, I'm going to make sure I go talk to him. And I went and talked to him and I goes, yeah, you know, it sounded like a sales pitch and I don't really listen to podcasts. And I told the person, I go, the stories you've told in this weekend, everything I've heard you say, there's a podcast that rates, rates directly to it or talks about the experience you're talking about right now. That's where you're going to benefit. I go, and and I said, just give it a try. I said, you may hate the way Scott presents. You may hate his sense of humor. I said, but the information you're going to get is going to be worth worth it. He goes, well, I just don't listen to podcasts. I go, it will change your life. And that's based on the other one I told about earlier with Keith was, you know, young and confused and couldn't get on track. And and the podcast helped get him on track. Yeah. And, um, and then another person in there was, do you? DIY who um, listen to it. And then a lot of people that know about the podcast, but aren't turning it on, which for seeing a bunch of diabetics that don't open themselves, like you said, open themselves to learning and finding a way of getting that information, which you're presenting to them in a way that they will receive it and actually retain it or think about it is really something. And that's magical about the podcast. That's Right on the mark. See, it's, yeah. it, it's your experience in that situation is exactly my expectation of what's happening. And mm-hmm. I tell 
people all the time, whether they're sponsors that want to know how the podcast is going to help them, or if it's just people who are like, you know, why are we not reaching more people? It's the rule of tens just always applies, right? You had yeah. to, you had to reach a hundred people to find probably 10 people who had heard about the podcast to find two people who actually listened to it. Mm-hmm. And so I have to reach multipliers of people yeah. to, to, to make it grow. And that's sort of where another aspect of my personality comes in and helps with this growing, which is I'm incredibly competitive. Like, I know this is diabetes and I'm helping people, but I really want to win. Like, Steve, you have no idea. Like, like inside. Oh, I've heard it. I've heard it. I want to win. Um, And, 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 you know, there's that, that drive that I have that some people have, I've seen people use it for for good. And I've seen people use it for evil. You, you know what I mean? And I, I tend to think of my using my competitive nature to try to help people with type one. I'm not, not mm-hmm. out there talking bad about other outlets or running people over. I wouldn't do that, but I want to win. Like when, when a company called me last week and said, Hey, we have this person available for uh, an interview. Here's what, here's our pitch for what, why they, I think they'd be good on the podcast. And I agreed that they would be good on the podcast. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. I was like, but I have to have them first. And they're like, why? I'm like, I don't want to have somebody on my podcast, somebody else already had on their thing. I was like, I just, I just don't want to. I was like, I, I won't, I won't do it second. And so I don't know that that that's incongruous, right? Because it would yeah. still help somebody, even if I lost 20% of my downloads because somebody else put them up already. Yeah. But but that part to me seems paramount like to keep the machine moving yeah. is how we reach a hundred people to help two people yeah and, I mean, and, and it is know. about momentum i mean if if you know there's i think of one one i think of is, is mendoza and, and his blog you know with i mean he was one of the first to really have a diabetes blog that had really good information in it mm-hmm. really really good information yeah. was it ever spread across no only the few people knew about it and it was really, really good information. Other people, um, you know, that used it to do their own thing. But that's years ago. And 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 that was one which he had the momentum at one time probably to just take over because of the way in which he was, you know, I mean, he approached like Kelly. He was going to tell you, you know, what was going on and new things happening. And here's what I found out. But the format wasn't for it. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a format that could carry on. But I went back last night and I read one of his because I was looking at history of the um, uh, blood glucose testing devices and uh, and the role that Bernstein played in making it explode in the U.S. And and his little discussion of it was absolutely right on the mark. And here's I mean, he was just a guy hanging out in a room and then saying, I'm going to put this stuff online. And he put it online and and it, it got to a lot of people. And but it, it had no mechanism, I guess is the right word, no mechanism to get to the masses. Yeah. So and, it's funny. First of all, you're so tied into diabetes. Like you just said, Kelly, like everybody knew that you meant Kelly Close and Diatribe. That was very funny. <laughs> um, but she's, she's a great example, a brilliant, a brilliant person and, um, and putting out really good content for people. But, yeah. but there's also part of me that reads it and thinks like, it's too smart, like, it, it it's not going to resonate with some people. And I know that's a weird thing to say because it's, yeah. it's, it's really, it's terrific. I'm going to tell you a Kelly close story. 
that you will appreciate and everybody else. I'll, I'll do it quickly because you'll think it's amazing. I was in a room once with Kelly and we were on a conference table and there were 25 people and talking about a heady idea about diabetes, right? How to help people with type one on this. If I don't remember the exact issue. Um, and she had a laptop and we were all talking and she was typing and I was sitting next to her. And the entire time she was typing, I thought, this woman is taking impeccable notes of this situation. Like, that's all I could think it's done. <laughs> and then something piqued her interest. And she kind of got the room's attention. And she started talking about this thing that we were all talking about. But her fingers never stopped typing. <laughs> and I leaned back. And I looked <laughs> over her shoulder. And she was writing about a different topic. <laughs> while she was talking about another topic and I was like oh my god I was like I was like this lady's a supercomputer <laughs> and so um like so you have people like that out there right who yeah. are passionate about helping yeah. and what she does is I think what she does is is terrific I think it's an it's amazing stuff but I think there's also something to be said for the fact that I I'm a very approachable person and and yeah, that yeah. you are you would never be confused into thinking that I could talk to you and type about something at the same time. Well, I think it's neat <laughs> that somebody like Kelly, the advocacy power that she has now, yeah, in terms of being an advocate, is like second. Well, at least from my perception is almost second to none. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's there's no question if somebody will probably ask Kelly about it if they're thinking about doing something with regard to you know any kind of law, any kind of changes, any kind of, right. of a legislative thing to it, because she's become a voice and an advocate. Yeah. But so, it also took away from her involvement in the things she was doing before. So she had to make a choice whether to move on or stay yeah. in the in the role she was in before. And now the online role and it has really started to expand. But I think it's neat to see the growth, but it, it, it really does tell you the demand. I mean, like you were yeah. saying, it this demands so much out of you getting involved in this. And it's why I haven't been more involved because I'm not ready. I'm not ready to step up. I can't, you know, when I saw Manny and what he was doing, it was pretty simple. It was not complicated, but the effort and the, in the beginning to do to diabetes, um, it, it was, uh, you know, astounding the effort he put in and where it grew to because, and then it outgrew him and yeah. took on its old little world. And he went on and he, he got involved in other things. He did more things. I, I do want to have Manny on the show. I keep thinking to invite him. Um, but you know what the, the parallel here is? You know, in your regular life, when you look up and politics is a mess and you think, why don't better people get involved in politics? And it's sometimes and oftentimes because they're, they don't, it's a, it's a mess and they don't want to be involved in a mess or it takes up all of your time or it'll, it'll capture your life. Like there are a number of reasons why people, somebody asked me to run for mayor of my town one time. I went, no, Oh God, no, <laughs> you know, like, like I don't want, no. Uh, but this, uh, you know, I say it on the podcast once in a while, but I, I don't go, this conversation leads to it. So, I mean, I, this is a full-time job. I work 60, yeah. 65 hours a week on this podcast Yeah, and it, it doesn't let down. I'm right now doubling my work so that I can go speak at Touch by Type 1 in a couple of weeks and I can take mm -hmm. Arden to college a week or two mm -hmm. after that. So I'm I'm doubling my output right now behind the scenes that you don't see so that there's no gap in this podcast. And you think, well, Scott, what's yeah. the big deal? Let there be a week where there's no episodes. Well, here's the thing. 
I have advertisers. They want their ads out. I want yep. to do what I told them. If I don't have advertisers, I can't put 65 hours of work into this podcast every week and you don't get the podcast anymore. Yeah. And I don't get paid and I got to get a different job. And to be perfectly mm -hmm. honest with you, I'm getting too old to change careers. So, you know, like I'm, so th that has to happen like that. And so are there people in this space who would be better at this than I am? It's possible, but if they're not willing to put the time into it, you're never, you're never going to know the difference. Like you, you, yeah, you won't find it, 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 the tools for it are around you right now. And they, I mean, for doing it. Right. And if you don't take advantage of them now, then it won't be there because, and you have to have the, do put forth the effort to do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, when I look at, you know, what's what you're up to seven thirty, whatever it is right now. Yeah in terms of episodes. And then that means there's another, you know, 70, 80, 90, a hundred yeah. sitting in the cup waiting yeah. to be poured into the pile. Yep. But, um, it, it, I got to give anybody who's involved in this kudos because it's enough to be a type one. It's enough to manage a kid with type one, but to go the extra mile to help others do it is just so valuable mm -hmm. to the group, to the community that it's um i just don't stop what can i say yeah no i listen i'm i believe not only am i not going to stop but there's i think the podcast has been up for eight years like it started in 2015 in january it's 2022 this is the mm -hmm. eighth the eighth full year the podcast has been running right now we're in the eighth year and i don't think it even got traction till about three years ago, like 2019 mm -hmm. is when it started yeah. to like pick up. And I was incredibly proud of it prior than that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like the, the first year, I think I did, I think I did 25,000 downloads the first year. And I was like astonished. And I would go to my wife, like every couple of weeks, I'd be like, listen, if I can just get a hundred downloads a day, I think that's growth. And then I'd come back and I'd be like, if I could just get to a thousand a week, I think that would be great, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I'd start telling her, I was like, you know, I think if I could get to a thousand a day, like that would really be something. And then one day I was like, you know, if I could just get 5,000 downloads a day and I just kept going and kept pushing and like, I, I won't even like, I'm not going to tell you how many downloads there are, but there's a lot. And, mm -hmm. and it's not enough because you should have there were a hundred people willing to go to a campsite to meet people with diabetes. And two of them are like, I've, I, I know that podcast. I listened to it. And some were like, I heard of it, but I'm not going to be bothered doing that. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so I'm nowhere near ready. And this year of the show, if everything tracks out the rest of the year, the way I expect it to, then this year of the show will have more downloads than the first seven years combined. That's just mind boggling. Yeah. I mean, just right. Yeah. And so, so we're reaching more people and reaching more people, but yeah. the, 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 the barrier is still people and their desire to, mm -hmm. they want info. I hate to say this, but most people want information, but they don't want to do anything to get it. Yeah. Right. And so you have to make, in my mind, you need to make the podcast undeniable. To the mm -hmm. point where people are just like, all right, I'll listen to the damn thing. Like, I've now heard about it from so many people. I'll just do it. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, and that'll make me, I think that'll make me happy. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve, I think that'll make me happy. Uh, but I just want people to have whatever level of health and happiness 
that they desire, I guess. Well, what's funny is that demand you were talking about and, and, and that getting people connected to something. It's like I was exchanging notes with Jennifer, who runs the Northern California JDRF groups, mm-hmm. online Zoom groups. And they just had somebody from Australia join an adult group. And I'm like, if people from Australia are reaching out, it, then the same thing is happening. And it's just, it's blind to us in the US in terms of people needing or wanting or looking for some help in living with this crap. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, you wish there was an easier way, but I think you've got a way that works and, um, it, it, it's too bad. Everybody that has stuff to offer can't get the same connection, Right. but the exchange and the what's, I mean, COVID has made a difference. I think the community is stronger now than it has ever been before. And the exchange, the ease, probably that's the best way of explaining the ease of exchange in terms of people talking to people about type one was made much, much easier during COVID because of the Zoom groups and people talking and and not having any not having to go anywhere, not having any pressure. And and then and the podcast fits right into that. Yeah. So um it's you know you I always wish that you could take all those people and put them in a room, but they're not going to be comfortable picking up and driving down, going to getting in the room. Yeah. This is just the right, seems to be the right mix for the community. You have to let go of that Pollyanna idea that the information's here and it's good. They'll come because that's just not, that's not the truth, right? The the truth Mm -hmm. is, is you have to make it so accessible that they don't have to do. I mean, look what happened. Like you're, you're to your point during COVID, every organization that did in-person things like big talks where I've, I've, I've spoken in front of 600 people before. Yeah. And it's a lot of like, until you do it, like it's a lot more people than it sounds like when you say 600, <laughs> when you're standing up there. And, and I, I got this kind of weird pushback from somebody one time that's in the space. And I think they thought that I was, I think they thought my podcast was growing because I was speaking at a lot of JDRF events. And the truth is that's exactly backwards. You you know, like you don't go somewhere and, and talk and then 600 people sign up for your podcast and you think, great, Mm -hmm. 600 is not a lot of people when you're trying to build a big, a big thing like this. It's a nice number. And I'd love for 600 new people to listen to the show today. I'm not saying that, but that's not a model. It's, and and yeah. then these companies or these organizations, they shut down these in-person events. And to your point, yeah. it didn't really, it doesn't seem to have hurt anything. It might be yeah, the opposite, you, you know. Um, and so you put on these big events with all this money and, you know, you've got sponsors like pouring money into it and you're only reaching 600 people at a great one. And I've also flown across the country and spoken to 150 people. And, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's just not a, it's not a great use of resources. It's a nice thing for those 150 people. It's a great the fun, thing. Funny part from the community side that people have to realize is being open to receiving that or open to going and getting that can make a difference. I mean, I've got three people probably in my life that, that I would say made a difference, but the total time I've spent with them, each one of them is what maybe three or four days in terms of hours. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but the things they said and the things they talked me, talked to me about and the guidance they gave me was so valuable that it, it changed my life. I mean, I think I told you the, the CD I had when I got the pump, um, Jeannie was just told me some things, some secret things about changing a site, for example, 
Right. You know, that you have to create a puddle, you have to fill the cannula, you have to do this for it to work right. And it's not even stuff that's taught today. And it was taught to me 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. But if she hadn't have said that, I would not have no, no changes when I change a site. Yeah. I mean, when I change a site, it's like this. But it, that's such a simple thing, such a little thing that was told to me that it astounds me that how we do survive without gathering all this information, it's magic. I mean, but the community is such a big part of that because you can, like someone said on the, one of the adult meetings, it said, you said that during the meeting and it changed the way I did stuff. And it's like, and it's made a difference, just like the podcast. You've gotten the things on the podcast where you said that one thing in that little moment, right? that little window, and all of a sudden it changed my perspective. And, and that interchange and being, I think one of the big, we were talking about this earlier, one of the big things with type one, you really have to be open to everything. You have to, you have to let it all come in and decide what's going to work for you, but don't shut down what can come in because otherwise you're going to be left behind. Yeah. And see, see, you're describing, you're describing the perfect listener, like somebody who's going to listen to all of it, take the nuggets, put it all into effect. And you, and so, but you still need this thing to help people who aren't that person. Right. Mm -hmm. And you, and you have to understand that the information is the, it's the seed of the tree. And then the tree grows and the leaves pop out and everybody comes that's along. A great way. They, they yeah, pick the leaves off that, that they need, yeah. right? That they need. And then they run away and they go back to their lives and live their lives, which is great. It's terrific. They shouldn't have to live their whole life in this space. And mm-hmm. the problem is, is that you just, you just informed a whole group of people who could potentially help a new group of people, but then they're, they go. Yeah. And so somebody yeah. has to stay behind and replant the trees over and over again. Yeah, That's me. <laughs> so I'm just Johnny Appleseed over here going, all right, you guys used up all those leaves. Let's give you yeah. another one. Cause a new group of people is going to come in and be newly diagnosed. Or, I mean, sometimes a lot of pride comes from, for me, from meeting people who've had diabetes for decades and still have a big change for themselves. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a it's a yeah. really terrific thing. Like, there's nothing better than grabbing somebody on day one and getting them going in the right direction. But man, there's something special about. Um, I know I've just had so many experiences, but one sticks out in my head over and over again of a woman who had like she had like I think five kids or something like that, mm-hmm. and she found me because she had come to the conclusion that she was going to die. She had type one, and she went online. And she was begging people. She's like, I'm going to die. I'm going to leave these kids alone. I, I need to know what to do. I have to take care of myself. And I just spoke to her on the phone. I mean, for a half an hour, 45 minutes, yeah. maybe. I have no idea who she is. I don't know her name. Um, yeah. And then she called me back the next day. And she was really angry. And at first, mm-hmm. I thought, like, she was crying when she got on the phone. And I thought, oh, God, like, what did I do? You know, like, I just told her how to pre bowl That's not wrong, is it? <laughs> and... um. And then she was she was angry that nobody had told her before uh-huh. she started seeing her life as yeah. wasted time. Yeah. And um and it's damage done to her body that some of it couldn't be recouped. And uh it was yeah. it was incredibly frustrating and sad to her. And so I just think yeah. every time I see a kid pop on the Facebook group and it's you know, it's a picture of a kid at their fourth birthday party and they're eating and their blood sugars are really stable and stuff, I think. Uh, we might have given that kid a shot to live a good life and not to feel like yeah. that woman was, yeah. you know. Full, so. yeah. I mean, I, that 
you've seen the thing I post online after 51 years, you know, that, you know, you gotta, you gotta laugh and, and, and some people, and you gotta learn from your crap that goes on, Mm -hmm. but also give yourself credit. I mean, whatever you do, no matter how small, you know, if you get something or you do something and it, and it makes a difference, take credit for it, you know, say, gee, I did pretty good. I pat yourself on the back. Cause this isn't easy to maintain this thing for 24 seven. <laughs> I, I so, I so agree with that. And I'll tell you, there's another spot where I'll, I'll reach around and pat myself on the back. When the, when the, the narrative from the diabetes community was never tell anybody that you're doing well because it makes people feel bad. I yeah. thought, I thought that's, that's a hundred percent wrong. Like I, I'm not saying that, like you shouldn't jump up in public and be like, Hey, Hey, I'm good at this. And you're not and like, screw you. Like, I don't mean that, but I just thought like, why not, why not share what's going right so that a people can feel hopeful about it mm-hmm. and B they can learn from it. Like, like how great yeah. would it be if you thought like, Oh, this is just diabetes. I, uh, my blood sugar goes to two fifty every time I eat, it stays there for three hours. It crashes down. I save my life. And then like, like th- there are people who live like that all day long. How mm-hmm. great would it be for them to see a CGM graph and think, wow, that guy, that guy yeah. ate Chinese food. And that's what happened. Like, yeah. How did somebody tell me about that, please? Yeah. And so celebrate, celebrate the little stuff. Man. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And, and just for your mental health, like when something yeah. goes right, come and tell other people about it and, and don't be embarrassed by it. And don't, and, and if there is a person out there, this is kind of a big picture idea, but if there is a person out there that sees that and it makes them feel badly, I understand. And it's no one's intention, but I don't see how we hide the good that comes from doing that. You know, it, it kind of gets back to that idea that I talk about a lot where, you know, the way we teach kids, you know, 20 kids in a room and three of them are a little dull and three of them are brilliant and the ones in the middle are all pretty average. And somehow we direct our stuff down towards the three kids at the bottom and because mm-hmm. we don't want to leave them behind, which is admirable. But isn't there a way to not leave them behind and, and help those front, other yeah. kids yeah. flourish, right? Yeah. And so that's, but again, that was just in this space, whether it was in writing or when Instagram became popular. So visually no one would, no one would share what went right for them. And I'm like, this seems completely opposite to common sense. Although, to you know, one person I can think of that, that, um, that did was that, you know, six and me when she had her blog going, mm-hmm. um, and, and that really I think she's one person that made me understand you got to celebrate the little good stuff. Yeah. You know, I, cause that was the way she looks at stuff. Carrie. Yeah. And, it, and, and, you know, it's a challenge and it's hell and it's same, but Hey, this went good for me today. She seems to always have, um, you know, positive about it. Right. And, right. and, and when I met her in person, it was neat because it was the same person Yeah, that was positive about the little stuff, you she's, know, the little things. She's lovely. And, it, and that's what, is hard with this is that you, you have to be, and like you say, pat yourself on the back, but you also have to celebrate them too. I mean, you know, do something good. I'm saying that's great, yeah. you know, and, and, and go forward. Don't go back and say, I, um, well, look at all the other stuff. I was in an elevator with Carrie one time by ourselves and I'm certain she thought I was crazy. Um, wow. because I just started talking about how 
at that time, my focus was not letting people down. Like I didn't want to be doing the wrong thing. And, um, and I just, I went on about it for a minute as we were in the elevator ride. And I think back on that time now, and she must've been like, what is wrong with this guy? But, (laughs) um, but I just, I don't know. It was very apparent to me that my thing was growing and that I was in a room with people who also had things that were helping people. And I reasonably speaking with, you know, uh, there were a couple other parents there, but I, I didn't have diabetes and I just, mm-hmm. I didn't want to do anybody a disservice. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. She didn't ask for that conversation. So she was a little taken, taken mm-hmm. so many years ago. Now I can't even remember how long ago it was. Um, yeah. but yeah. And it, it also, you need to stay away from, there was a little bit of that. Um, what is that German word? Oh my God. I'm not going to think of it. There's a little bit of the woe is me in diabetes. There used to be Mm -hmm. like where I'm going to just, I'll say what went wrong for me today. And then I know this happened to a lot of other people and I'll get clicks or I'll get likes. And it's It's like the B label, you know, I'm not going to say the word, but the B label for what kind of diabetes you have. Yeah. And, and that is probably, I think one of the cruelest, cruelest things to have ever come out of the medical profession was that label. Mm -hmm. Because it's a give up label. It's a label that says give up, but there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I, and I've seen people both on the podcast or heard people on the podcast and all, as well as seen people on the Facebook group who will finally let that whole thing, let that go. thing that hangs on them go. Yeah. And it's like opens a whole new world. But just that one word and what it's done to so many people is amazing. And if you can, like you say, get past that and move on to the good stuff. Right. that's what opens the door. Like, you know, you're saying it and I, it just astounds me that some, something so trivial like that, or that label can be so detrimental to so many people for so many years. I mean, it's been hundreds of thousands of people that didn't realize that they could actually make a change and probably benefit from things that would help them. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a give up card. Right. Like I'll say the word. So we're sure people understand what you're saying. But if somebody tells you you're brittle, they go on to infer that your blood sugars are going to rapidly rise and drop. And there's no rhyme or reason for it. Nobody can figure it out. So go go um, live your life as best you can, because it ain't going to go very long. You're a brittle diabetic. And really, the truth is somebody should have said, hey, I think we're using the insulin wrong here. You shouldn't be flying yep. up and down like this. Uh, what if we tried this? And that's, I mean, think about that scenario. That's a doctor at some point looking a person in the face and telling them, this isn't going to work out for you. But it they're only saying that because they don't understand how to talk to them about how insulin works. Yeah. But it's such yeah. a, like, I, Steve, I wish you knew me, knew me. Like, I'm... I'm an interesting mix because I'm kind of a moron. And at the same time, I'm sort of not. And, 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 and that I, on my own, in my house, figured this out. Because you talked about, I mean, you talked about uh, Think Like a Pancreas today and, and a ton of other people out there who have good information. I am telling you with, I am not over-exaggerating. I have never read any of that. I have. I don't talk to doctors with an eye on them yeah. giving me information. I looked at what was happening to my daughter, and I applied common sense to it, and I figured out how to stop it. 
And well, then you, the one thing she said, and people do say that are really involved and in, and in, in that going up and out direction with mm-hmm. do, doing things with diabetes, oftentimes we'll say that that you know the best clinical testing that you'll ever do is you, right? And and I that's why being open to it, even though like you say you're shutting it off, it's because it's a distraction for you. And, um, it, it, it is a distraction from where you want to be, but I'll tell you, listening to some of it is, is you do realize that, you know, you, you have to take care of everything. You have to do everything. And whether the doctor says this or the doctor says that it comes right down to you have to do things and, and the ownership of it is really hard to grasp for many people until they feel like they have control. And I think that's one of the things with the podcast right. is you can't step away from where the future is, but you can't get to the future unless you take care of yourself now. Right. And I think that's a good thing. What you're saying is that don't be distracted by what somebody's saying about the future, deal with now and improve the now yeah. and that you, then you do focus on that. Right now it's, it, I mean, you're living in a number of realities when you have diabetes, right? You're, you're, you're being told something from the past that you kind of have to sift through for the good parts and leave the rest go because hey, my, my poor mom, um, you know, her blood pressure's, you know, not doing well. And the doctor's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't, one, I'll tell you, somebody said to me, a nurse said to me the other day, fascinating. Well, your mom has heart disease. Those things don't get better. They get worse. And that was her giving up like, oh, your mom's blood pressure went up. I guess she's done, you you know, and I said, I called the doctor and I pushed and then I made them send a different doctor and the different doctor happened to be younger. And he goes, oh, why is she taking this old medication? Took it from her, gave her a different medication. And she's I'm going to talk to her later today and find out her blood pressure is lower. Right. Um, So. Was my mom's old doctor useless? No. Did he know everything? No, because he got stuck in a time in a moment. And mm-hmm. I don't want to be stuck in that time or the moment. Yeah. But I'm also not just a repository for diabetes information. I'm also helping my daughter live with it. So I'm yeah. sifting through the past. I'm living in the moment. And I'm trying to look forward with what's coming. And I want to do well now while transitioning forward without leaping so far forward that, you know, you don't want to, uh, what is it? You don't want to outkick your coverage, right? So like, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to be yeah. so far forward that it's detrimental, but I don't want to lose track of, I don't want to lose track of what's coming because algorithms I think are going to be a big deal for people. I think mm-hmm. faster acting insulin, if they can find a way for it to work for people consistently without burning, you know, for the ones who have like burning from it. Um, Here's a fix. Big deal. Just quick. Go ahead. Take your finger it. and put it on the site. As it's being going in, and that will diminish it significantly. So, how, so with a pump, what do you do? With a pump, and you're getting Lumjev, which will use. You know, right. partic- I use Lumjev, and I found that if you put pressure on the site, it's a tolerable pain. It's not that that sharp, you know, pointed pain that's mm-hmm. there. And then also, is I swear you should put a decal or put a tattoo or something on every spot that you get that. And then just stay away from those spots and then it works better. Really, you can so we're having a discussion this weekend. A lot of people mix it, but I found that if I just take and put pressure on it, that will help diminish a significant amount of pain. And it worked for someone, which and and I, 
I don't know how I found it. I don't know what I was doing, mm-hmm. but that's one of those little things that you want to speak and scream to a group who's on, well, if they can get on Loom Joe. Yeah. Um, but I, that's what drives me it is, and then, you know, you hit a trigger, which is you say something that's something's not working. And I want to say, well, here, you can do this to fix it Try this. or let me to go look or let me read and I'll, we'll figure out how to fix it. Yeah. But that's my drive. And that's why I kind of like, I'm almost, I, I use the term anal, but I'm anal about finding out why something works and why something happens. Mm-hmm. And that's been an advantage for me for 51 years because of looking at things that way. And I'm really fortunate that that has a case, but also by the same tone, I'm, I get a lot out of you carrying the message that I have tried to carry for years and the message to a lot of people that can make sm- small changes and have a big improvement in their life. Yeah. No, I, I, and I listen, you probably worked harder at it than I have because you were doing it a few people at a time. You know what I mean? A hundred people yeah. at, a, at an event or a couple people you knew online that you spoke to or something like that. That's hard work. Like that's like that's boots on the ground work being done, trying to trying to help people slowly. I just um, I mean, I got to the point where I saw like I saw what the blog did and I was like, well, this is good. But it it was the, it really was my competitive nature that made me just think like how do you reach more people like how do you mm-hmm. how do you how do you reach more people and um and it's interesting because I mean blogging for instance like I, I had no like there was no financial reward from blogging at all I wasn't trying for there to be one and you know back then you could like get a Google AdSense ad that you made fifty dollars a month off of or something like that and I my wife would be like that's a waste of time. Like, what are we going to do with $50? And I was like, I know, like I, the effort I'll put into it. Like I could, I could go panhandle $50 like easier mm-hmm. than I could make it this way. Um, and I really did only start taking ads on the podcast because of the time constraint. Um, and my wife was like, look, you can't like, you got to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you have to make money. Yeah. And I was like, no, I know. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting how, I mean, there's how many people like you that I don't know who are out there trying to do the same thing. And mm-hmm. and not that th- this is, don't take this the wrong way, please. But what you said to those people that day, it's not available anymore. Like it's in the mm-hmm. ether now. Like you help those people, which is beautiful, but that's Once my- they're not, you're not there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the next person that comes along, you're not there. And then what yeah. happens? And that's why I think of, I mean, honestly, right? I make the podcast for Arden. Like my my goal is that she'll. I'm hoping she'll just listen to it one day, which I'm sure she. I'm. I guarantee you. You know, you're gonna have to pay her to do that. I'll be dead. (laughs) She'll be like, "Oh, I miss my dad's voice," and she'll like, "I'll try this stupid podcast." Like that's what'll happen, right? Um, But but it's all here. Like the way to take care of her is here, and. And it just so happens that if you let go of the idea that there's brittle diabetes or that your diabetes may vary or whatever people say to try to explain variables in the past because they didn't have a deeper explanation for it, the truth is, is that what works for Arden will work for you. And it, yeah. it'll it work for anybody, really. And yeah. all it is is, I mean, I joke with Jenny privately all the time, this podcast should be 10 minutes long. It should be one episode. But, it should be 10 and, minutes And long. it is. It, it, it's yeah. really about perspective. And knowing the options, I right. mean, and, and once you get the perspective straight and you understand the options then all of a sudden the whole world opens up and it makes it easier, yeah. but that's true with almost anything too. I mean, but the diabetes 
particularly is the obstacle that's in front of you oftentimes is too heavy and too big to step around and go, oh, I could do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's one of the challenges. I mean, there was one person at the meeting that was talking about, you know, the emotional part and dealing with the emotional part of it. And, you know, I, I really wanted to walk up and hug her and just said, take credit for the good stuff. Yeah. It's because the, she, so, she was so caught up in what wasn't working right. And she said it multiple times and times over there that, you know, good. And this event was perfect for it because she's seeing other people go through similar things and saying, Oh, I can get around that and go shoot for something else. And I, that was nice to see, right. by the way, bears, you have to interview Jeannie from bearskin meadows. You just okay. have to. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Anybody you can yeah. introduce me to. All right. So I have a, a statement and a question and then we'll, we'll wrap up here. So I don't keep you all day. Um, the amount of people that I've spoken to privately, whether it's in an event or something and they get you and they're like, here's what's going wrong. And they start talking about, I, I, event, I, at first I listen because it's how they feel and they should be allowed to get it out. But then eventually I end up saying to them, none of that matters. Like this thing you're so focused on doesn't matter. Like, let it go. Just let it go. Focus on this. It's timing and amount. It's the whole thing. Use the right amount yeah. of insulin at the right time. These things are going to go correctly. Understand different impacts and then stay ahead of them. Work ahead of diabetes. Don't let it get ahead of you. Like it's all in the pro tip series. Do you agree, Stephen? Mm-hmm. The pro tip series covers. Yeah, that, I mean the right? pro tips are you have to get your head to the Around. level of yeah. being able to do it. And I know some people jump too fast, but yeah, I mean the the nitty gritty is there. Yeah. And the nitty gritty is what's going to help you maintain and, and be good at it. Right. But you it, can't but get to it, but you, you know, and it's easy to say like somebody's all wound up in the wrong idea, but if they can't get themselves, excuse me, out of that idea, mm-hmm. they're never going to get to the next part. So yeah. then yeah. I thought, all right, well, I'll have a therapist come on and do that. Like, so, but then you think that's easy. You think it's easy to find a therapist who's thoughtful, understanding, vibes well with me like can hold a conference i i must have talked to five of them before i was like this lady erica she's the one you know what i mean like that like i must have talked to i don't know how many people before i realized like jenny's the one like it's jenny Mm -hmm. there's something special about her when you blend her with me that helps if yeah the chemistry makes a difference it's just a big it's a big deal and so you have to be able to step back once in a while and like, it's easy to say the podcast is a compendium, but you can't just, you should see the people I have to turn down. Like, because I talk to them, like, oh, you're not right for this. Like, you're a great person or you're lovely, but your story has been covered already. Or the way you talk, like your speech pattern won't vibe with mine. Like, I've I've had people on who I thought were terrific, and I sit here almost with my hand over my mouth because I'm like, I want to jump in and they're not done. And it like, they just, they, they don't work with my vibe. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Well, I think one, one is I, I love the fact that you actually took a suggestion of interviewing Dr. Adi from me and, and went for it because, you know, every once in a while you'll get that gold mine and he's an example of a gold mine mm-hmm. that works. And yeah, I mean, you guys hit it off, you know, just so well perfect from the yeah. get go. And, and he, his, and his perspective is similar, even though he's been in the end, you know, been doing it for years. Right. I'm just amazed that his perspective is good, but finding that person and finding, I, you know, he's got a couple of presentations on 
Facebook that I point people to and they're like, huh? I go, no, you have to listen to the whole thing and you have to go through it. And you have, and, and I send people when they talk about Basil's, I always give them a link to the, to the, his data presentation that's online mm-hmm. because it puts in perspective, but boy, the chemistry that you guys had, I didn't expect that to be honest, that the chemistry you guys had when you got together was, was, you know, great. It, I mean, I'm, I'm pulling up the episode cause I want to mention what number it is here. See if I can find it real quickly. Uh, do, 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 do. 541. 541. Okay. So if I remember this one correctly, it took us a half an hour or so to get to know each other. And then we kind of went over high level stuff that everybody talks about. And then in the last 45 minutes or an hour, it just flowed. It was amazing. And yeah. um, I was so thrilled with him. And he, yeah. you could even hear in his voice, he's like, hey, there's some yeah. guy on a podcast. Like he's thinking about this, right? You, you know what I mean? He, and it was, he was on an Ask the Endo about a month ago, and and he he laughed when I told him. I said, "You know, I'm the one that sent your name to Scott," and he laughed, and 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 you could see in it in his response that he really enjoyed it. I right. mean, he and that doesn't often happen, but I, he's just a treasure. I mean, no. he's, yeah, we need we need to talk to more people like that for sure. We need to keep building up this thing. I have to remember that older content can fall out of favor with people. And there's no reason for that, right? Because the truth is, even like think about it this way. Every great television show that needs to be made has already been made. And yet they keep making more. Like if you, you know, if you want to hear about like, I don't know, if you want to be entertained around the idea of liberal politics, you don't have to watch a new TV show. Go watch The West Wing, right? If yeah. you if you yeah. want to know about war, you don't have to do this. Just go watch MASH. Like, like right? But that's not how these things work. So yeah. you have to keep creating and you have to keep pushing content, especially in this world. Like sometimes, it's yeah. funny, some people say to me, why do you put out four episodes a week? And some people are like, can you put out five episodes a week? And I'm like, I don't know which is like the right answer, but I can answer both of them. For people who want the content, I'm thrilled that it's there for them. And for some people who are like, I can't keep up, I I need you to stay here for yourself, Mm -hmm. right? For you, for your own health and happiness. I need you to stay here till you get what you need. And then I need you to go tell somebody else about it. I need you to hear enough of this that you have complete thoughts that you can share. Because the worst thing that could happen is that somebody gets a half-baked idea and then runs off for, and doesn't work for them. And then they start telling other people about it. So I I need you here because I don't want you to look up and think like, oh, the podcast is, uh, he took the summer off, I guess. Like, and then you, what if you never come back? You know what I mean? So. Well, hopefully you're not feeling pressure, but rather feel like it's making a difference because it is. So I love it, Stephen. It's, it's, yeah. it, it feeds the, um it feeds the healthy and unhealthy part of me equally. <laughs> I don't know what the timing is, but we're seeing, I'm seeing a lot of the 504 stuff going on right now. Yeah. And um, I, I want to scream and yell because there's a 504 site, that website, and that's all it's for. But if, and I, the only reason I thought about it, because I looked at 504, if somebody's looking for resources, ADA has a, and I, there was one on my list of one of the things to say, mm-hmm. the ADA has a um, diabetes management plan up there that the doctor can fill in and give you all the support you need to go in and get your 504 nailed down. And it was done of all things. It was done with parents and doctors filling, making this new form up. 
So it was a really different approach to it. I don't know if, but you know, that's that time of year when people have to fight for that. When I had to make Arden's all those years ago, the first time I took everyone's examples, read through them and just took out the parts that I thought made sense. And I put my, my own together and then I kept adapting it through the years as she got older and older, but this sounds much better. And, um, and it's an underused thing too. A lot of people don't want to have that fight either. They don't get involved in it. And they just hope for the best. And well, people think of that diabetes management plan as just a form, that, but it it ends up being a toolkit. Mm-hmm. And the way that they put it together now, and they only did it this last summer. Okay. And um, because I see so much up there, people asking, I don't know how to deal with the five hundred four. I don't know what to say. Well, go get your doctor to write it down, and then like you did that, you know, to get, (laughs) you have to have the power behind it. Yeah. But it's just that time of year. And that's what made me think of that because I I was lot watched a video of the discussion of putting it together and why they put it together the way they did, but it's a great tool. And this Mm -hmm. was of all places, ADA had it, you know, and they usually don't have (laughs) a great resource. It really is. Well, they've gone through a lot of, uh, CEOs or presidents. I don't know what the designation is, but every time I, I, every time I look up, there's somebody else running that organization. It feels like to me. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's a, that's a great, that's a great thing. I'm glad you brought it up because it is, it's definitely valuable for the people who need it. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you wish we would have? I got a whole list right here. But <laughs> you can come back someday. Steve. You know, you've, you've, you've seen me online. You know, yeah. I, I got. I like my diabetes info thing that I cut and paste from is uh for like fourteen pages or something like that where I just and it's just links of places to go find information and right. that I collect information from. But I, I this is I feel better than I felt in the beginning. I don't not not nervous and I don't think there was anything missed other than saying people give it a try because right. the podcast is. And oh, the only one thing is a request. Okay. And I was probably from everyone is if someone could set up a better search engine for the podcast. Yeah. Um, that search engine for the podcast is really poor right now. And I don't know whether you're working on it or not, but it's it's a challenge. But the the groupings that you did, it'd be cool to have those groupings on the podcast site. On the website. Yeah, yeah, on the website, actually on the website. Yeah, so the website yeah. at juiceboxpodcast.com, the search function that it's a Squarespace site. The search oh, okay. function that Squarespace yeah. makes is, I mean, it's fucking <laughs> terrible. Like, it really is. I have no idea. Yeah. I haven't figured out exactly what the logic is behind yeah. the fines. It, um, it, 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 sometimes you can't capitalize things or you can't, like, it's the worst thing. And and I, I think I, the fun one is that the search gets done, it shows it on the screen, and then it disappears and says there's nothing. That's the good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've sent a couple of notes to them over the years. Like, is there any way you can put effort into this? Um, so if anybody knows how to do a better, how to set up a better search engine on a Squarespace site, please let me know. But it, it, um, it is a great resource to just yeah. go up there and look for stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a great way to discover it. That's why I put together some of the websites, ones I found, and I just give people a number and then have them so find the, it. The, so the list that we made, the little like visual representation. Yeah, the ones that are on the Facebook page. They're yeah. helpful, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but if there was a way, more direct way to get to those, like when you're on the site or something like that, yeah. there, where the, that list was actually linked. So Yeah. There, there's, so there's little limitations. Like f- podcast apps and audio apps in general have limitations. Like it would be yeah, great if I yeah. could just group them together. But you can only group you can only group podcast episodes together by season. And so 
I, you know, I obviously didn't have the foresight to make the entire Defining Diabetes series in one year. Or, yeah, we used to just take a, like a PDF and make a PDF and post a PDF because it had active links in it. Mm-hmm. And so that active link was enabled you like a, like a table of contents. Right. So right. when you click on the table of contents, it goes to the site, but it was a different, I always had to make a different page when I was doing the training because I couldn't get, like you said, I couldn't get the index to work cleanly. So I would just make a different page and post right. the page of so that's I hundred percent agree with you. And the, and I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the bandwidth <laughs> for it. And, and the other, the, there is the, another part of it that I think there might be a benefit of, which is it sort of forces people to bang around inside of the podcast. Yeah. And therefore yeah. they might find stuff that it, it's also very interesting. I don't know if you've ever heard me say this before, but the management stuff in the podcast, which I know you appreciate and I think is terrific. I think it would help anybody. It's not the most popular content in the podcast. It's usually mm-hmm. just conversations with people that are that are most popular. It's yeah. not by a lot, but what I've learned is that there is a audience that listens to this show who I will never physically see in any way. And there's an audience that that exists more in the Facebook world for the for the Mm -hmm. show and those people often have two different desires yeah so uh, somehow the people who are real management focused end up on the facebook page and the people who are more like i want to hear people's stories i'll never know who they are yeah you know yeah so not that that there's no overlap but yeah and like i told you the story this week and when you're hearing somebody tell stories you know at a at a group of a bunch of a diabetics and you're hearing these stories and they're they're the same ones there's a podcast on you want to go well here's the number of the podcast you can go listen to to get something out of it because almost i there wasn't one story that someone told or you know insight that someone gave that there wasn't hasn't been a podcast yeah on it and and that's part of the power of the podcast too right no and i think being able to tell stories too that don't get talked about at all are mm-hmm. are, are valuable as well like i mean some of my favorite ones are, you know, people coming on. Like, I, I always think of, like, remember the girl who told the story in the After Dark series about being diagnosed with diabetes on a heroin bender? Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> insane. Who would tell that story? And, you, like, but, you know, beyond type one's not writing that down somewhere. You, you know what I mean? Like, or, or somebody like that, not to, um, not to call them out. But, like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Lily diabetes isn't going to do a blog post about that. <laughs> and so, yeah. or, you When know, I describe the site, I use that as one of the ones... It runs the gamut from yes, being <laughs> diagnosed during a heroin better. Remember, she broke out of her grandfather's house. Like, I mean, uh-huh. taking the sadness of the heroin out of it. Yeah, what a fantastic story, you know. Yeah. And um, and people were bipolar, or you know, I'll I'll never forget when I got an email from a woman who said, "I want to come on the show and tell you about my sexual assault because of how it impacted my type one diabetes." That was a really interesting podcast. Yeah. I mean, the perspective of it was I, when she emailed me, I thought, I don't know what to do with this. Like, yeah. like, and then I thought if it's, in, if it's that important to her, then why would I say no to that? You know, like let her come talk. And I told her before we started, I'm like, I'm incredibly uncomfortable about this. I'm like, mm-hmm. I have no training or background in this. I'm like, I don't want to say something stupid or flippant <laughs> or, you know, and she's like, no, you'll be fine. If we got done. And I was like, is that okay? And she's like, it's great. Just like that. Put it out. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then I, th- I thanked her, you know, because because who who's going to tell that story? And then you realize she's willing to tell it 
because the podcast helped her so much that she thought, well, this is my slice of reality. Let me add it to the stew. Hopefully it'll make it better and more complete. And, yeah. um, and, and that's how it, that's how the episodes end up being so good. It's, you would be shocked at how little effort I put into getting people on the show that you hear. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very, very, you, a year. Would, you would be, you would be shocked. <laughs> it took you a year to get on. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, like, like when you listen to these conversations, like, wow, this is a good conversation. Like you might think I was out there mining away to find this person. They find me. Yeah. And, and well, the one for me, the one that hits home and the one that's so close to me, and I apologize because I can't remember her name, but the, it was the one about suicide and, and, and he, he, I don't know whether you, I, I think he was on the Facebook page and that's how you guys got connected, but, sure. but, um, the story about mentally what he went through and struggled through in that age, you know, that teen or the post-teen that time period. And it, I mean, it hit home and I, I if I listen to it again, I'll still cry, yeah. you know, and I listened to it and I cried the first time and I, if I listen to it, listen to it again, I probably will cry too. Yeah. And, but cause there's short stories that just really hit gut home. I mean, they really hit you and I compliment you on that, but Thank it's you. just, it was, it's Donnie. You're thinking of Donnie. Yeah. Right. He was abused by his neighbors. And is that right? He no, made, it was, it was a- another one, which he gave up and he, he had complications, but he got it back together. And one of the things he was, he, he had done was just given up mm-hmm. and, and kind of like we were, said before, he kind of wrote it off. And, and there were some suicide things that went on during the early times. Oh, and I kind of apologize because I can't remember. I Listen, I'm in the same scenario. So I, many. You know, you see Isabel helping me on the Facebook page now. And in the beginning, when she started helping me, she'd asked me a question. She's like, you really don't remember this? I was like, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> like it, it, of the craziest things that have ever happened to show you how much information is flowing through my head. I put up an episode with a, an after dark episode with a woman who was sexually abused by her own parents and somehow the file did the, 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 the raw file stayed where it didn't belong. And it popped back up again. Six months later, I edited the whole thing and put it back up and forgot I had heard it. And, (laughs) and as I was listening to it, editing it a second time, I thought, my God, I remember recording this. This is fascinating. And then I put it up and I was up for five minutes and Isabel sends me a note and she goes, yo, I think this is episode five, whatever. She's like, this has been out already. And then she calls me. She goes, you really don't remember this, do you? And I was like, I, I can't. Like I was like, I talk to four or five people a week. I edit yeah. four or five yeah. a week. I, it's all a blur to me, you, you know? Um, but Donnie sticks with me, even though Donnie isn't who you were talking about yeah. because we met online and we talked on the phone and he actually, we just we just messaged with you each know, other it, recently. It could be Donnie. It could be I him. Mean, yeah, it could be. He um he had made a plan to go out to Vegas to kill himself, mm-hmm. and then we talked on the phone, and I explained to him how to bowl us, and he had a good night, and he was like, "Huh, maybe I can do this." And, yeah. And now it's yeah. years and years later, and he's he's doing terrific, you know. Yeah. So anyway, it's amazing how little it can take sometimes yeah. to get somebody. Yeah, back to on see track. The yeah, okay. All right, Stephen, we could do this forever. So I'm going to say thank yeah. you and um, and invite you to come back sometime. So it was a pleasure, and thank you, and uh, thanks again for doing what you're doing. And it, could I ask you a few questions offline? Yeah, absolutely.
Sure. Yeah. Hold on one second. Thank you very much, Scott. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks so much for Stephen for coming on the show and sharing what I imagine is just a small fraction of his thoughts about type 1 diabetes. I also want to say a huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N.com forward slash juice box. And of course, you can get that Omnipod 5 and Omnipod Dash at omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Go see if you're eligible for a free 30-day supply of the Dash or get started with the 5 right now. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a five-star rating and wonderful review that explains why you love the show to somebody else wherever you listen, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, places like that. Ratings and reviews. Thank you. Of course, the Facebook page, private, 33,000 members. Stephen's one of them. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. Check it out.